0: Well, good morning. Welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School-Aged Kids. I'm Danita Bailey.
1: And I'm David Bailey.
0: So according to the International Education Database, which evaluates and reports the progress of education goals globally, the United States is ranked 26th we hear stories about education gap, the education gap, teacher dissatisfaction, overcrowded classrooms, concern about the effects and effectiveness of state testing, and we wonder if our public system, public education system is failing our children. So today, we will discuss the state of our public education and take a look at what, what's working in other countries, what's working in our country, and find out how our education system works. So, Dave, you were a teacher for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and so you really have a unique perspective from an insider's point of view about our education system that most of us parents don't have. I have a little bit of one because I started the foundation a couple of years ago, so I've seen some things, but you know, I really think that teachers and administrators take a lot of heat from parents because we really don't have an understanding of what's actually going on in the classroom.
1: Right. Yeah, so I've been in schools where I've had little to no resources. Uh, my very first school, um, I had one ream of paper for the entire semester.
0: To teach how many children? One
1: hundred twenty-five kids a day, um, and they said, "Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the job. Here you go." <laughs> and so I had challenges there. And I've been to I've taught at schools where I had unlimited resources. I had. Office Depot trucks coming every single Friday, <laughs> uh, where I had, uh, you know, I had a personal budget just to get stuff above and beyond what the school already bought for me, and it made a big difference. Um, I've dealt with mental illness. I've dealt with ADD, ADHD, um, dealt with parents uh, where there wasn't much support at all. and I've had parents who had a little too much support. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, learning how to teach uh, to different learning styles and learning how to adjust and learning how, you know, classroom management and different issues there. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. And then on top of all that, just teaching the content, uh, beyond this for me, the content was probably the easiest part of the day. Mm-hmm. Just teaching the math was that, that wasn't the hard part. It was all the other challenges that we had to face. Um, parents who would, you know, Circumvent me if they had an issue with me and go straight to the principal. And you know, there's a a lot of lot of issues um, and challenges that that uh, teachers face as well. But there are a lot of challenges um, on the home front. Um, So many different things that are happening, and you know, hence why we started this show to help support that. So I'm looking forward to you know diving into this topic today.
0: Yeah, and I've had a lot of discussion with several friends that are parents, and you know, with you, and had some heated conversations about some topics regarding education and it's not an easy fix we think we know what some of the issues are but it's not necessarily black and white and it's it's I believe not an issue that's just Um, you know, one step in front of us, like just in the classroom. It's really more of a um, systemic issue. There are systemic issues that that need to be dealt with and things that, you know, administrators and teachers really, they have their hands tied in some things. So we're going to discuss a lot of that. I'm really excited about this episode because, you know, I really... Um, I care about what's what's happening, and uh, we just need to start the discussion. And I think parents need to. You know, I talked to one mom, and and she said she's kind of given up. You know, mm. and that makes me sad. And you know, she's she's a, a proponent. She's a you know strong advocate of um, education, but she's just kind of like. I just don't even know what to do anymore. So I think, you know, we it's good to get the conversation going and see how we as parents can be part of the solution. Yeah. And uh, you know, just you know, just a lot of things that we can do, maybe. So uh, before we go any further, uh, we want to say, as we do every week, it does take a village. So if you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also, we really want you guys to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments about Um, our topic today, give us a call at 214-431-5062. So Dave, who do we have with us today?
1: Okay, so today we have Andre Hill Fields. Uh, She's a native of the state of Louisiana and is employed by the Duncanville Independent School District, where she currently serves as the Assistant Superintendent of Operations. Ms. Fields holds a Bachelor's of Science degree from Louisiana Tech University and a Master's in Educational Leadership from Stephen F. Austin State University. Uh, this year marks her 40th year of service of public education. I was five when you got started. <laughs> Put it in <laughs> perspective. Uh, she was employed uh, with the Longview Independent School District, where she served as the Deputy Superintendent. Um, she also uh, is a... Uh, she's a current member of the Texas Association of School Administrators and was blessed to be awarded a lifetime membership in the Parent Teachers Association. Um, she is also a Golden Life member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and has been an active member for 42 years. Golden Life member. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, Ms. Fields is married to the Reverend Albert Fields and is the mother of seven adult children and seven darling granddaughters, and she is an active member of the Antioch Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. All right. Welcome.
2: Well,
0: thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad that you're here. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So we are ranked the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world, yet our education system is not even ranked in the top 20. So what, in your opinion, are some of the reasons why we're not ranked higher? Well, first, that's
2: a big question. We could probably do a whole show on just that, right? (laughs) We (laughs) could indeed, but first, (laughs) I want to um, say this I am not an expert. Uh, in in uh, in anything but I do have many years of experience of being in public education and first of all just have a great passion for what I do I would not have uh, continued to do this for 40 years of my life without really believing in in public education and mm-hmm. education in general for for our students here in our country uh, yes uh Danita, we are uh, one of the wealthiest and most powerful on uh, nations on the planet, yet there are, um, as the st- statistics show, um, we're not ranked very high when it comes to education. And so you asked my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm going to share with you, uh, today. Uh, of course, uh, as you said, we could talk about this all day long because there are varying opinions about why we're where we are. Uh, I think you said ranked 27th. Uh, of course, when you look at the landscape of our nation and, um, the, um, educational system as it stands today when we look back over the last fifty years a lot of things have happened uh, in regard to public education Yet the change has been very slow When you think about what's happening in our world In general of our with our information systems And how we connect to other people from other countries When you really think about other institutions uh, Public schools are very slow to change It seems like we're always bringing up the rear mm-hmm. And so what I would say about why we're where we are Is that there are so many things to dissect first of all uh, one uh, the uh, I guess first of all the perception of what's happening in public education Uh, when you really poll people Uh, If you ask them how their school is doing, Mm. how their neighborhood school or the school where their children go to school, they will say, our school is fine. We've got a good school. We've seen this research bore out for for many, many years. But when you think about the system in general, uh, they think the schools and perception is schools are failing, uh, that there are public schools are substandard. Uh, hence, uh, the uh, movement for school choice, mm-hmm. other schools that have have opened up, and so when you really think about the public's perception, that's one thing. Secondly, making it a priority for. Uh, our, our country and our nation uh, in our past if you look back uh, getting a good quality education was one of the things that really uh, was on conversations at the dinner table
1: mm-hmm. people
2: always ask you when you went to the family reunion what you gonna do when you grow up what are you gonna be what are you gonna study are you going to college or the expectation was that you were going to college and so with that many times the 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 um, Really, the importance of getting a quality education has been minimized some somewhat, and then of course uh, I think as David talked about in his opening comments, uh, putting the resources where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our resources many times are stretched when we start talking about funding for schools, whether it's a public school or other schools. And I know there's a lot of controversy over public school dollars going to private and charter and uh, schools schools of choice. Uh, and no matter what side of the aisle you're on in that, that argument, our students need the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. so um, resources are, are critical. And when I say resources, that means uh, paying the people who do the work well well includes <laughs> the teachers uh because they are the ones um and then also making sure the facilities are uh, conducive to learning because anyone knows if something is nice and pleasant and clean and engaging learning uh, is more apt to take place versus what's dirty it's run down it's raining mm-hmm. inside etc it's hot there's mm-hmm. no air conditioning the teachers don't have the resources that they need and so there a lot of those kinds of things but i think the expectations and then the uh i look at and i've talked about this of um people who've had bad experiences with schools sometimes bring that with them and so um they come to us with uh, probably a problem because they don't trust us and so in a turn um the kind of education that a child <laughs> could receive is kind of um, buffered by that because pe- everybody went to school so a lot of times they're expert in what happens in school <laughs> uh, but there's a lot more than a lot of moving parts and so um, I, I would just say that there are one, the perception, uh, the expectations that we have um, and you know i I really feel very strongly that uh, our schools are doing better than just what the test always reveal you know we're in a uh, high stakes testing uh, state texas is and so uh, and and that came about because of the business owners um, who were receiving um, high school and college graduates who could not do the math, do the work, didn't know how to uh, uh, get along in collective groups that they had to work in. And so they asked for higher standards. So the business community at large, and I'm not just talking about any one particular, Mm -hmm. they wanted young people who were work ready, whether they were coming out of high school, whether they were coming out of college. And so the standards were raised. I've been in this business a long time. And I remember when minimum standards were the things that we were talking about and now we're looking at for work readiness status. for work readiness. Yes, Minimum. the business owners in this state lobby to say we want higher st- we want kids who can do math, higher order thinking. We want students who can use um, you know, do do algebra and be able to convert that to be uh in our, in the work environment and be able to uh communicate and work in uh Teams write written communication and verbal. And so the expectations for us uh, have been going up each year. And so right. uh, not that that's a bad thing, because uh, I think overall, we've especially in this state, we've really tried to to meet the the, uh, the goals that they've set for us. So. Hmm.
0: That's, that's awesome that we've responded well to that and that the business community thought to come yes. to the schools and say, they're coming to us ill-prepared and you guys have to do something about that.
2: That would be correct. That's awesome.
0: So there's been a lot of outcry about a need for education reform, if we, as we've talked about. So what do, what do you think are some of the most significant positive changes in our education system that have happened in the last 30 years?
2: Well, there have been a lot of um, positive changes that have happened in our our education uh, community at large. I think one particular thing is the fact that uh, in public school in particular, um, our schools are um, more... Adapt to working with students who are second language learners. Mm-hmm. Here in the state of Texas, of course, um, you know, with the five point two three, depending on who you ask on any given day, a million school children. Uh, the ma- a lot of those students and the majority of them, over half now, are uh, students of, of uh, bilingual and Latino descent, and so. Um, the um, the students come to us many times knowing their native language and coming to the school not knowing uh, english so we've spent a lot of time working a lot of resources a lot of training for teachers uh, putting in place programs for our second uh, language learners i think um, overall um, the school um, are a lot more um, in tuned with and you're going to hear a lot more about this probably as we talk a little further today about social emotional learning Uh, we're getting there of course uh, as a result of uh, many heinous violence acts that have happened across not only our Uh, state but across the nation that a lot more emphasis is being placed on that uh, and those are some positive changes that are happening Um, people probably think that the accountability system is a bad thing but uh, I think for those of us who have been in this business we've always been accountable it's just what the measuring stick has been and so uh, that's the uh, system that we're under and we're operating under it uh, and trying to meet the challenges it is very rigorous it is very challenging it is it is not uh like it was back uh in when i was in school in the 60s and the 70s uh the kind of rigor of the curriculum is higher and and that's good because we're competing not against just children here in the state of our adults in the state of texas or in this nation we're competing globally for right. positions for um for jobs that haven't even been created yet and right. so we're trying to prepare our students uh for those to be able to to think to process, to be able to communicate, to be able to collaborate which is a big thing in in schools today that we're really teaching students how to work together Uh, as you look uh, across this nation and a lot of the Fortune 500 companies and a lot of the companies where people want to be employed and we can name some of those without naming them on radio right Right. now Uh, but they talk about the collaboration piece, being able to communicate, being able to work together well because most of the time it's some project you're working on and so you can bring all the content head knowledge but you still have to have those other skills and so schools are doing a lot more with soft skills a lot more with being able to uh, work together you know the work uh, ethics that we have to have in order to be able to to grow and to plan and to work together
0: so critics of the state testing would say that the strong emphasis on state testing is causing us to not be able to focus as much on what it is that you just talked about the soft skills and the work readiness <laughs> right, and, and stuff. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, again, I'm going to say that people in this business always accountability is a big thing. We want results. And so, uh, I don't think any of us are shying away from it. I think we are um really wanting to be able to have um a little bit more uh, say in the whole child and I think that's mm-hmm. what you're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that that is the only measuring stick you all know that uh, our schools now are graded and we have an A through F system are not only will the school district be graded this year but our actual campuses will be graded and so uh, a lot of folks are uh, a little anxious about that because we're really not comparing apples to apples when you think about it because as you all know um, our schools all Look very different Right it Depends on where you are What part of the country What part of the state You're in Our schools look different Because of the student makeup And um, the resources they have uh, how the schools are funded and so the accountability system is just that we are operating under it but I think for us um, those of us who are the true educators we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child whether it's working with soft skills good decision making all the things that really make up what about the art The music, the theater, because there are many students who perhaps struggle with the the academic subjects, but excel in music and art. And they're very gifted with their hands or they can really very creative. And so we're really trying to put together a... um, A program for the whole child and that starts even from a a, young age it is more challenging because many times teachers feel compelled Mm -hmm. because of their that's held over their heads we've got to pass the students have to do well on the star test and so with that uh, comes a lot of pressure it comes all the way down schools want to be rated uh, A's and B's and uh, so for that that's that's really the the measuring stick and unfortunately for us that's the system we operate in but yet i really feel like the people who really do this and do it with the real reason of why making students lives better uh and educating uh, uh the next generation of texans uh that they're up to the challenge and so um I know they think we're teaching to the test um, you know we spend all our time with that and uh, unfortunately in many instances that is true because mm. of just the pressure that's being put on teachers
1: yeah I know I me mean, personally I, I felt the pressure all the time especially in mathematics uh, yes. math it, I, I felt like I was in the hot seat <laughs> every single year um, you know, and, you know, in some school districts it was just, you know, uh, you know the test, the test, the test. And I've also been, in, and maybe we'll bring this up another episode, I've taught in international baccalaureate schools where it's very collaborative and very uh, a very integrated approach to how they do the work. So there was a lot more collaboration in that environment. Um, you know, I'm personally a big proponent of project-based learning. Uh, I love to do that. However, the challenges were is, I could project-based learn all day, teach all day long and work all day long, but at the end of the day, what I was weighted on was those district benchmarks and how they performed on STAR. So it really is a question of how do you assess students to show the effectiveness of what you're doing? And you know, the state of Texas has said, this is the way to assess. Uh, personally I feel like there's there's other ways that you can show you know that students are learning but at the end of the day it comes doesn't back matter. down it doesn't matter uh, it uh, you know I, I could do a great project and kids can collaborate and learn the skills and the and standards enjoy right and enjoy right I w- yes. my the
0: my favorite classes were the ones where the teachers were doing out of the box things and allowing yes. us to do project based learning and things like that, you know, and not just you know sitting at my desk you know doing a worksheet or something right. like that right i mean so I mean that makes a big difference yeah
1: i mean I will say there are a lot of teachers that are doing it uh that are yes. i mean it's not just you know here's a worksheet, solve it, you know here's the strategies uh you know however um we have to work on, I think, collectively, how can we bring more of that in while still under this system, make sure that kids are accountable to what the state says they have to learn, but also bringing those other great ways. There's so many ways to be uh, uh, innovative in how we work with our kids to grow. Uh, you know, But we have to work within the system we have right now. It is what it is. Um, yes. But also, And we have to find other ways to get creative in how we educate our children.
0: You mentioned the new accountability, or is it the new accountability yeah. system for schools and mm-hmm. districts and those? I'm not sure that all of our listeners are aware that it has even changed. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about that? And my secondary question to that is, is there any proponent to that that includes some of the
2: soft skills and things that we were talking about? Well, of course, uh, um, this is a fairly new. The grading system is new. Accountability is not new, obviously, right. uh, because we've we've had the uh, STAR test and before STAR. We had uh, the other iterations. Right. I've been around for a while. <laughs> I could probably go back from <laughs> TABS, which was the Texas as- uh, assessment of basic skills. And mm-hmm. that was right. back perhaps in the 90s when we first started giving any kind of t- uh, test to our students. And so with uh, the uh, Commissioner has put in place, under uh, direction of, of course, um, State Board of Education and the legislators, uh, a, sco- a school, uh, basically rating. Uh, last year, districts were rated, uh, and um, you know it was A through F, just as you would get a report card, basically. And this year, campuses will be uh, a- rated. Of course, I don't have all of the. Uh, details in front of me to to give you the ratings but uh, those will be very uh, be probably be published in the month of August Uh, anyone who's uh, specifically interested in either their district rating uh, they should know that already from last school year but uh, in August those ratings will come out along with the school ratings and it really depends on how the students do on st- on the star test uh that's really the the measurement along with now we have college uh career and military readiness and mm. of course dropout rate is also a part of the accountability system and so those are some things that the high school uh, is rated on um the college career and military readiness and so the military is even now part of that when we look at our uh... exiting seniors how many students are will be going to the military how many students will be going to college or then even career readiness which many of our students um... Uh, Particularly, and I'm sure here in the Metroplex, a lot of high schools have programs where they uh, have dual credit courses, Mm -hmm. where they partner either with a a college or university, where students leave sometimes with uh, an associate's degree because they've taken Mm -hmm. dual credit courses. And so uh, those things, will the the districts will be judged on, and that's kind of how our ratings will be. And, of course, it is a... very um, challenging to understand all the moving parts of that Mm. Uh, like I said I'm not a, a uh, expert in accountability but I know that everybody understood understands a B C D and F there are no E's <laughs> 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 everyone understands that and so uh, we want and, uh, and of course many schools this past year the districts uh, a lot of st- districts that received um, a lot of the D's and the F's uh, were many times students with a lot of diversity a lot of uh, mm. minority students a lot of poor students economically disadvantaged students not to say that was all but a lot of the, the students uh, school districts that had a lot of uh, uh, children of color uh, second language learners economically disadvantaged students were uh, many of those districts were rated uh, D and F uh,
1: let me just add another little insight uh, from um, you know I, I came in lat- my last year in the classroom was the first year of the A through F system and the biggest difference that I was told is how we measure growth and success of our kids that's correct Uh, so in the past it was what percentage of the students passed the state exam and so what that tended to do was to put all the pressure on us to focus on the kids that were underachieving that were either barely passing or below passing from prior year so we taught to everyone uh, but we really had to ensure that uh, students who were failing uh, were able to pass. Uh, now with A through F, it's accountable to every single student. So whether a student is is struggling, um, barely passing, whether they Correct. passed last year, and whether they uh, were doing extremely well, now there's because what ha- what tend to was, and I, I hate to say this, but my kids that were high flyers, I knew they were going to be all right. <laughs> they so, were on their own. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mean, we I worked <laughs> right, with them. Right. But I knew they were going to be fine. So, so the emphasis was <coughs> always on the kids that were really, really struggling because that's how we were rated. That's, you know, the scores, the percentage passing rates. But now at every single level, Correct. every test has, has to measure growth. So whether you – if you scored an 89 last year, percentage-wise, let's say uh, – how did you do this year if you did an 87 this year you regress that's regressing Mm -hmm. uh so you have Mm -hmm. to grow the high flyers uh the kids in the middle of the pack and and the lower team. so in that aspect i do like that because that forced us that forced me to say okay wait a minute okay uh my high flyers how am i stretching them how am i how am i forcing them to grow more because that's how I'm evaluated now collectively, which I think that is better. because I, I do feel that I mean that some students at times were being neglected, um, not because we weren't teaching to all students, but because the emphasis was so much on, Getting our struggling students pass to pass, or fail. right? That would be correct. Yeah.
2: And thank you, Dave, for for emphasizing that. Uh, and that is true. Uh, we have a, a little demonstration that one of the uh, ladies in the district, she works with the accountability, and she says about moving the string, yeah. every we have those students who are um, meet the standard, those who are uh, really uh, having uh, some of the growth. Right, Uh, and so not only those students a long time ago it was like you passed or fail your percentage pass or fail. Now for every group of students, uh, right, we have to move them uh, along the string. They have to to show growth, and that is correct. Right, special ed
1: students, uh, the minority population, correct. um, you know. By every yeah, subpopulation,
2: every, yeah. is judged, African-American, uh, second language learners, economically disadvantaged, you can dissect it all the way down. They have all of those groups that we are, are, are judged by. Yeah. So I wonder what impact that's having on
0: this, the, these students who are struggling the most, now that some of the time is being taken away from, because you, you yourself are saying that the high flyers, you're like, okay, y'all are good. And then you focused on the, s- the very struggling
1: students. I wonder yeah. how
0: that's impacting well, them. They have less time now.
1: Well, I, I mean, for me, it was it wasn't that I spent per se less time, but I had to come. I had to get more creative in how I was moving to six four with mm-hmm. students that were already um, getting those core concepts. So for me, now. I've I was the only teacher in my school that did this, uh, but I did, you know, the concept called the the flipped classroom, uh, and what that basically means is I would create and assign pre-lessons before they would come into the classroom, they would watch a 7-10 to 10 minute video on a concept then I could quickly assess who are my students who were struggling instantly, um, and then I knew when they came in the next day okay, these students did not get the concept, the students that Got the concept and the students that were advanced in there, I gave them enrichment to push them along. So it wasn't just practicing the same problems over and over again. I forced them now to, okay, you got this. Now let's take it and let's add this dimension to it. Let's let's make this a little more challenging here. Let's give you a little assignment or a little miniature project to work on, mm-hmm. um, which was still on subject. But I was able to push them forward and I was always available to them. And they came to me and asked me questions, and I still was able to bring them into my rotations uh, in my centers that I had, uh, but it allowed me to keep them going forward without necessarily having to reteach or teach the same thing over again, which they already got it. So, right. so the, the argument is, if they already got it, it, because a lot of times I was teaching to the kids that didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, if you got it, then let's, let's keep you moving forward. Right. Uh, now, the kids who were struggling, I knew because I would embed questions in my videos. And a basic question, okay, here's a concept, okay, here's a question on it. Oh, you don't get it? Okay, I need, you know, Sally, Mike, John, you know, Frank to come over here and work with me. And now I'm able to spend some time, some targeted time with them versus trying to generally figure out where everybody's at as well. That's how I did it. Um, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I got some great results from it. Uh, But every teacher has to kind of figure out for themselves how... Uh, My district encouraged us. We had a training on it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And uh, it was different. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's just take a quick break to say um, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Our phone number is 214-431-5062. And we are speaking with Andre Fields, who's an associate superintendent in Duncanville ISD. So I want to know from you, um, do you think that the bar for educators has been set high enough? And, you know, in some ways, do we need to improve the qualifications for educating our future teachers and improve district hiring practices?
2: Wow, that's a lot to to think about. That's a lot to think about uh, in my past career I I was I worked with the HR department the human resources department really recruiting and not only recruiting but retaining uh, staff um, and particularly teachers because those were really the lion's share of the hires that we did every year Um, teacher training and teacher education and teacher quality uh, programs have changed over the last um, I'll say Decade plus uh, and one of that is because the great shortage of Mm. classroom teachers Um, First of all, I think it goes back to my first uh, response about uh, Education in general Uh, the perception of what schools are and what they're about uh, has uh, been really diminished Um, just from perceptions and public uh, comment about what's going on in schools, teaching is very difficult. It is one of the most difficult professions because you're taking what you know and trying to teach someone else something. uh, And it takes time, a lot of long, hard hours, and there's not a lot of pay that goes along with that well with that being said uh, because of the shortage uh, the state of texas um, uh, really looked at options of what we could do to really increase the number of of teachers Uh, and this is not a problem that's local it's not a localized it's not a state just a state problem this is a national problem and perhaps an international problem uh, but uh, with that, um, one of the things that the state of Texas did allow uh, colleges and universities and school teachers to do is to allow alternative certification um, folks to be hired as classroom teachers. And what that meant, and of course it is changing even since I've been away from HR, but what it meant for us is if you had a bachelor's degree in any area, uh, they would take a look at your transcript to see how many hours you had, or, of in a particular subject, like if we were to look at you, Rose Davis, I'm sure you have a lot of math. So yeah. at that point, you would uh, have to have, if I'm recalling correctly, 24 hours, 18, 24 hours in a course subject where you could become a math teacher. It might have been not been the career path for you initially uh, with that, but and then enroll in a program, typically those alternative certification programs, and they were many. They were set up through universities. They were set up through region service centers. Uh, Some school districts had their own alternative certification programs. Uh, Usually took you 12 to 18 months to complete the program. And while you were completing the program, you were allowed to become a probationary teacher. So basically you were doing on-the-job training, learning the pedagogy, Learning all of the how to teach, getting right. your toolkit. And so that to me has been very challenging because many times people who take those jobs and become alternative certification teachers don't have the um I guess the basics. If you win a traditional program where you've had an opportunity to go and observe, you've had you have to have so many observation hours in a traditional program, then you can go and say, mm, I like the little ones don't like the little ones sometimes when you have those core subjects many times those folks become secondary teachers and so that in and of itself you're talking about high school age students what kind of uh, issues that you deal with with Mm -hmm. pre-young adults Uh, and so um, it helped us because we were able to recruit more teachers and get them in the classroom but what it meant for school districts that we really had to have a very strong teacher support program and that in and of itself really helps you um, if you don't have that and what i mean is something that's very strategic intentional and formal where you support people who are new and novice teachers teaching is hard work there are a lot of expectations for teachers Mm -hmm. uh the content area many times i bet you we ask him about math he could do that but all the other things that come with that to engage the students to keep the classroom moving to handle the discipline, to handle yeah. special needs students who were in your classroom, how yes. to differentiate instruction. You know math, but how do you teach it with to those students who didn't meet the standards, who met the standards, who mastered the standards, You mm-hmm. had all of those students and in And who classroom. learned differently, too. And everyone yeah. learns different, whether it's your hands-on learners, whether it's your students who are visual, auditory, kinesthetic. You yes. have all of those things going on at the same time, and you're moving, if you're a high school teacher, 125 students along. Right. If you're an elementary stu- uh, teacher, perhaps maybe 22, just depending on where you were. So uh, that has helped us, but it also is very challenging because I think if you would ask the people who decide to leave the profession and many Teachers decide to leave leave the profession between zero years and five. That's where the biggest turnover is. You make it past five, you can probably make it. And so having those um, new and uh, novice teacher support programs is a safety net because you can't learn everything. Even when you go through a four year, five year traditional program, Mm -hmm. you don't really know what it's like until you're the teacher. Right. You you do your student teaching in a traditional program. When you're uh, an alternative certification teacher, your on the job training is your student teaching all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so having the professor support, great, but they're not there every day. So that's why many times um, school districts will uh, have mentors. And so many districts would like to be able to pay those mentors because that's work it's really coaching and helping that new teacher along it's not just the buddy teacher i'm not talking about a buddy teacher i'm talking about a true coach who coaches you and that takes training and so the 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 uh, districts who have those kinds of things in place, where the mentors are coached and trained, then they coach the teachers, and they're compensated for doing that because you want to do the t- check in. You don't want to just have that buddy teacher say, "Hey, this is where you make your copies. This is where you get your paycheck." This is that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about really those folks because that that first couple of years. Um, it's really, really critical. Uh, so teacher quality programs have changed. I think it was answering that question in it, in that I think uh, we're learning more. Now the programs are bringing a little bit more in with social emotional learning. You're going to mm-hmm. hear a lot more about that, uh, a lot more with our current teachers of how we can address some of those, uh, those issues. Um, the standards many times people it's a dream deferred they become a teacher uh they really want to become a doctor uh they have or they really wanted to become mm. um uh maybe um aerospace engineer okay, and i'll just use those two as examples yet uh for whatever w- the circumstances life circumstances happen what do people teach they say you can always teach <laughs> uh and <laughs> they public. don't really know oh, oh. it's harder than being an aerospace right, engineer right <laughs> Because you really have young children's lives in your hands and their futures. And so it's very, very difficult. I'm not minimizing aerospace engineers. If you're out there <laughs> in this I know that, that I could not do that. But I can tell you that I've heard many people who prepared to go into other fields and thought, I didn't know it was this difficult. I didn't know it was this hard because, as David, you alluded to it at the beginning, all the expectations that uh, we have in schools, all the things that we expect our teachers to do. So I think as we're moving along, we're getting better. We're getting smarter. used to be you knew your content. You could be a teacher. And that was it, but there's so many other expectations that we have because we have such uh, diverse learning populations in our schools now.
1: Let me ask a a parallel question that is, I don't know what data there uh, is on there out there, but is teaching becoming less of a destination and calling versus... Well, I guess I'll just become, like you just said, I'll just become a teacher. And then also, do districts, do certain districts hire less alternative certification teachers than others? Do you, like, if it's a particular demographic, as if it's a particular socioeconomic district, can they be, do they, is there like requirements for us how many? you know, traditional track teachers they hire versus others. I've heard some say, oh, well, they don't really hire alternative certification teachers in this particular district. Uh, they typically only hire ones that have, you know, this particular type of credentials. Um, so it's kind of a two, two, two-fold question. Is it a destination? Is it still a destination? Or And or uh, also just how districts select, because that's going to impact our children as far as who's in front of them teaching. That would be correct. I think overall,
2: if you would poll, if you go down the halls of of a school, you'll hear uh, the majority of the the folks tell you, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Um, The people who are really good at it, uh, a lot of times they've been teaching their brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. their dolls like I did, their dog or anybody who'd (laughs) listen uh, since they were were (laughs) young children uh, because they've always wanted to teach. They love it. Uh, but there are some outstanding alternative certification uh, folks who said if I'd known it was going to be this much fun, I would have done it sooner because they it's the money a lot of times that sometimes yeah. say, well, you don't make a lot of money, you work hard, et cetera, and it is. Uh, so I think it's still a combination of you're going to ha- I think we've always had that. We didn't always have alternative certification teachers. Either you were certified in a traditional program and that was it right there are districts um and right now i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know that when i was doing a lot of recruiting if people were in alternative certification programs they might as well have kept uh walking past their uh recruiting table because they uh really did not uh engage because they were able to either compensate well enough depending on the district where it was uh, where they really wanted to have that um, that standard set and that's an individual district um, thing but I think for us uh, we're really even getting into a whole lot of other things to be able to teach our students because we have a lot of virtual classrooms now where Mm -hmm. there's a facilitator but that teacher uh, perhaps is not necessarily sitting there uh in the in the classroom because our kids are so used to a lot of things in the virtual world and so for a short um where there's teacher shortages uh many districts have have to become very creative uh is that the best of all worlds i'm i'm a proponent because i'm kind of old school too of having that teacher uh there but we've seen um uh, there are many districts who have some virtual classrooms of course there's a lot of online learning i mean if you nowadays if you get a master's degree almost from anywhere you're basically doing it online and you might not ever go to a classroom right? right right so even in public schools we're 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 learning a little bit more the quality of the individuals who really want to do this work I, i'd have to say is they still really believe in what they're doing because you don't get up hundred and eighty seven days and get in front of uh, a, a group of students to stand there and fail. You really want to make right. a difference. It's just it's like with anyone. There's a spectrum. There are people who get it. They're yeah. gifted. They're just natural teachers. Then there are folks who uh, uh, need a little extra help. And, of course, just like with any profession, there are some folks that, that don't fit. And soon, a lot of times, they'll find out very quickly that it's not going to work. Right. I know
0: that students who have parents that are involved um fare better than than students a lot of times that don't, so what responsibilities for the success of our students fall on the
2: parents versus the teachers in a child's education uh that's a great question uh danita and uh, had many discussions about uh, partnerships because uh I think. You all opened up with It Takes a Village, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and it really does. Um, we found, and research will probably bear this out, that students uh, that are successful in school typically have some parent, some adult, some mentor, a little lead coach. They have some significant Adult relationship that's supporting them in their education. We're focused on parents right now. And, um, you know, uh, Parents are a lot more apt to be involved when uh, students are young. Uh, we have we, we decided like that. I think we have all those programs and parents come out and uh, support uh, their uh, children in, in all the little programs they put on for Christmas and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But uh, Having an active parent, and and I have to say this, that does not mean you have to be a member of the PTA. (laughs) It doesn't mean you have to be the mom who volunteers for for everything. But we need you at the table when we're making um, decisions for what's best for your child. Um, It is critical. Uh, Many times, um, you know, the parents we need to talk to the most we don't get to to talk to them and i say this sometimes that's shame on us Mm -hmm. and when i say that i mean is we have to offer other types of opportunities for parents to be involved not necessarily because parents work or they may be in a situation family situation where they don't have the transportation uh many times they may be sick they may be caring for younger siblings there are a lot of other factors they they can't be at the school so what we have to do as school because we want you involved is to have other ways may not be during the day maybe in the evening maybe in the morning may we come to you may we do a one-on-one because that's how important that it is Mm -hmm. make a home visit uh you know you hardly hear about that too much anymore but uh that is significant. Uh, start a school, going out to where our students live, mm-hmm. making sure parents know, hey, your kid's going to be going to my school. And so getting them involved, telephone calls. Now we can FaceTime. We can do a lot more than, uh, and like I said, shame on us for really looking at uh, other ways to engage parents. And not just in sporting events and all of those great things. I'm a avid sports fan. Uh, person but we need you at the table when we're talking about where this child's uh, life is going to lead in regard to their uh, education and um, being open and we have to have the uh, platform for parents to do that now social media is uh, really helping us Mm -hmm. really engage particularly our millennial parents uh, because right. they like that, they they they're they're engaged. They can voice their opinions, uh, share. But when it really gets down to the one on one on one, we need parents because it really makes a difference. Now, for some students, and you probably could name some from they went to school with you. Their parents were never involved. The child made it anyway because they mm-hmm. had another significant adult, whether it was a teacher, a coach whoever the janitor who said hey i'm watching you how are your grades being there having the expectation that they were going to do well and so um that's why so many times we ask uh uh, we have the all pro dads in our school district or you may have the uh the dad's club or the mom's club or whatever they wanted whatever the name is where there are adults who are there who mentor kids who coach kids who are there to listen to them so it is really a partnership. We really need we need everybody, whether the the, the parent or the surrogate parent, the grandma, whoever is the the one right. who's raising the child.
0: And we actually are going to do a whole show about parent partnership because, you know, it's It's difficult, you know, David and I are in education and sometimes we we have found it ourselves hard to navigate the school system. Mm -hmm. And you know, we as parents are busy and we're tired and we want to know, but we want our kids to succeed. And we know that our involvement is a big part of that. So I would love to have you back on to talk about Mm -hmm. ways that parents can get involved that don't include necessarily being the president of the PTA. Because I'm I'm not gonna do that necessarily. myself necessarily but right yeah, Never. yeah. Never. Well, just <laughs> keeping it t-
2: for just the basics just keeping the line of communication again yeah. i always say this works both ways you communicate right. with us and then we're communicating with you more than just when there's a problem yeah, absolutely that has to be it has to the dialogue has to start it can start the first day of school or before saying hey i've got uh, andre in my class and i'm glad she's going to be there so at least you've introduced yourself you've opened the doors so mm-hmm. we need that it's mo- nothing more than the, just a communication you may not be able to come but can i call you mm-hmm. can i send you a text some way that we can communicate to, so we can support the child. Yeah, we're
0: going to have you back on before the summer's right. over so we can talk all about that. But unfortunately right now we are out of time for this, Travis. Again? But thank you, yes, I know. We, there's wow. so many things we did not even touch on that mm. I wanted to talk about. So we might have to do a part two for that as well. Or three. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> but thank you so much for your time and for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my, one of my greatest passions yes. and that is public education.
0: Well, at this time, we always want to tell you what's going on with Noggin Educational Coaching and Noggin Educational Foundation. So, what's happening with Noggin Coaching, Dave?
1: Well, um, as we wrap up the end of the school year, this is one of the times when it's very easy to say, Ooh, I'm done, uh, put everything away, and move on. But really, this is one of the best times to help your children to, to reflect on the prior school year what worked, what didn't work, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. Uh, then also just to get ready for what's coming around the corner, uh, if there's a more challenging course happening in the school year, or if there's some gaps that they need to get filled in, to be prepared, uh, Noggin would love to help you to work with you and with your child to kind of assess where they are. Uh, so please reach out to uh, info at noggin n o g g i n education dot com. And we can talk to what those challenges are. Uh, we have a lot of families who come to us during the summer because they really want to help their children be prepared. Um, so don't think that just because the school year is over that learning is done as well.
0: And with Noggin Educational Foundation, uh, we are actually looking for a summer intern for School Days for our show. So if you are interested in being uh, one of our summer interns and you are between the ages of 15 and I think 20, um, go to schooldazedshow.com and click on the link that says Summer Internship and we would love to, to hear from you. So Dave, what's happening next week?
1: You just kind of introed. I did. You uh, really. That wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> You intentional. didn't mean to, but you right. kind of introed the show for next week. Okay. So, uh, so uh, some students are already out of school, uh, like our children. Uh, and for others, this is your last week. Uh, for some, even go deep into June, uh, one or two weeks. So summer is a crucial time for students and a great time to strengthen skills. So next week, we'll talk about avoiding summer learning loss with the CEO of National Summer Learning Association and the Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction, Julie Miller. So we're looking forward to talking about that and how to keep things moving along Uh, During the summer months, it really is critical.
0: Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And as as always, we want to let you know to head to our website, schooldayshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and really anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. And also, we want you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin. O G G I N foundation and we always end our show each week by saying that david and i are parenting by grace we depend on god to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults and if you'd like to know more about that feel free to email us at info at schooldazedshow.com have a great week school days is sponsored by noggin educational foundation At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.